Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 57 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Andrew, and joined with me today is Mr. Mike Freeman. Mike, I missed you, man. Last week, we was, uh, it was a little weird not having you here, but it was Stephen did a good job, and I, ex- I liked hanging out with him. Stephen, uh, yeah, I missed you too. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, it by the was, way. Yeah. Uh, last week, I hit the road, drove to Idaho and back, and... Um, for a family memorial for uh, Uncle Bob who passed away, um, but in in my uh, in my absence, Stephen jumped in, and I actually have yet to listen to that podcast. It, it's uh, going it, to be loaded today. It'll be it'll be dropping pretty soon here. Yeah, and, uh, well, yeah, it, it was a good one. We actually he in, he introduced that song Psalm one the week prior to the church. Okay. And I was really moved by it. It's actually my favorite psalm. Uh, it's my go-to when everyone asks me to randomly speak somewhere. I just go to, yeah. to that psalm. And to hear it in music form was really moving for me. And uh, some of the kids who sit stand with me Sunday mornings, they they were moved by it. So I just wanted to pick his brain a little on uh, just worship music and just seeing what else is out there. So I, he did a good job. So if you're listening to this and you're wanting to hear what we had to say or what Stephen had to say, go ahead. It's just the last episode. Yeah. My kids sing that song sometimes around the house, and uh, it's a good one. Yeah, it really singing is. God's word, right? It's yeah. pretty cool to sing God's word. Yeah, it is. You know, it's been cool to see children. I, I love that we have moved to children sitting in on the service for the for just to worship with their families because it it translates. I see children humming and singing scripture while they're coming down to to kids church they are thinking about it they talk about it through the week man it is impacting lives it is such a cool thing to see children just singing scripture we should do a video podcast because i have a smile from ear to ear right now that just um it makes me so excited to hear that yeah yeah it's pretty cool so mike you've been traveling a lot and you have some traveling coming up man are you uh how are you how you doing are you tired from all the weariness of the last couple of weeks you know uh so going to Idaho was good. It was really nice to see family. We had, uh, I think I mentioned it. Jessica's uncle passed away, Uncle Bob. He he was a believer. He was uh, an impactful believer in his mm-hmm. community. And in um, his memorial was just, uh, you know, the preacher got up and, and he was like, I don't really have anything to say now because people just shared how Bob had shared the gospel with him. And it was very Christ uh, honoring and Bob honoring. And it was, it was a wonderful um, wonderful time. That's awesome. Um, and that said, I, how am I doing, man? I, I slept really well there. I don't know if it was just the long driving and all yeah. that, but I hit the bed and, and fell asleep and woke up and ready to, ready to go. And so, um, I'm doing good, man. That's cool, man. That's cool. And you have your doctorate work coming up this week, right? Are you excited to, to, to go hang out with your buddies Yeah. And talk about Jesus? We'll see, man. It will be fun. It's, uh, you know, we, I, from what I understand, we're going to be sitting in class for a week. We've been doing a lot of exegetical work on basically one verse and then one doctrine. Okay. So and for people who aren't quite sure what exegetical means, you want to just Yeah, run, yeah. We've been pulling, that. you know, we've been working on pulling what is what is the intent, the authorial intent in, in a passage. And yeah. um, and so just what, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. What, what does it mean? And it's kind of one of those Getting passages. Getting meaning out of the scripture as opposed to reading meaning into the scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so... From what I understand, we're basically going to spend a week um, defending our position on one passage and also our position on the doctrine of baptism and uh, in, in a collegial kind of fun way, but also kind of in a, hey, you got to, everyone's checking your work and you're kind of on the hot seat. And so I, I, I'm, I'm 
eager and uh, excited and a little bit nervous. We'll see. That's cool. You described to me that your program is a lot of uh, you doing some research and some work and then people in a loving but academic way to like nitpicking and kind of poking holes yeah. at, at what you have to say. And that's, I think that's cool, right? As iron sharpens iron, really, that's really going to help people just be solid in their understanding of scripture and to look for any, I guess, weaknesses in argument. That's going to be cool. It, it really is forcing people in a program like this to make sure you're not building your theological understanding on straw men. Mm-hmm. It, it's saying you, you really have done your work. You're not ignoring um, alter alternate views. You're not ignoring other passages of scripture that might not fit neatly into Mm -hmm. your theological house. And, um, and so it's, it's good. It's, you know, you end up leaving really with a confidence that you've, you you know what you're talking about at a deeper level. And so I think that's good for the church. I mean, a lot of why I'm doing this is for the church, right? Um, I'm at a school, that's their motto for the church. And uh, my, my view is that the stronger I can get, the better I can get at handling the scripture, the, the more of a blessing that's going to be in preaching, the more of the blessing that's going to be in counseling, in discipling. That, that's really the goal. Yeah, 100%. It's, we live in a world now that a lot of people can easily enter into the ministry. And in many ways, that's a good thing. We want people to be church planters. We want people to be pastors. We want people to proclaim the gospel and do those things. But there's also a lot of work that should go into preparing oneself for the honor it is really to be uh, a preacher of the word. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I I appreciate the fact that you are, even though you are, you're a a senior pastor now and you could have stopped at a master's, you continue to better yourself, not for yourself, but for the edification of the kingdom of God in general. Yeah. And this is really, I think this is for every believer, not, not that every believer has to pursue certain education levels, but None of us are ever to be stagnant. Right. There's never a spot where we stop and say, actually, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in, in some of our content, yeah. where we say, oh, I've, I've achieved. And so I can sit down and, and be done, right? Mm-hmm. That, if you're a brand new Christian, you're beginning this journey. If you've been following Christ for a long time, you're still on the journey. And there's never going to come a time where any of us know the Bible enough. There's never going to come a time where any of us have done enough in terms of, you know, our response to the gospel and living it out. There's never going to come a time where we say, oh yeah, my battle with sin is over. And I like, it's, we we live a, I have a friend that say we we have a faith that's always a next step kind of faith. Mm -hmm. And to remember that is important, regardless of whether you're a pastor or whether you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a 14 year old, Mm -hmm. you know, like all of us always have another step. Yeah, 100%. So Mike, thank you for that. And honestly, for other people who are maybe challenged by that, I would encourage you to uh, maybe seek your, your, your pastor or seek the resources available in your church just to keep going deeper. I personally feel that the ministry is such an amazing thing, but we can sometimes accidentally hurt people when we are just making things up that sound Christian to help others. Um, if you've been around me long enough, you know that I, I have a kind of a personal vendetta against something I call folk theology where things where people just make things up that sound Christian and they pass on tradition, which aren't even found in biblical. Uh, it's, it's not found in the Bible. It's just found in what people commonly thought was the truth. And they keep pushing that forward. It destroys people if they place their faith in something that's not true. Yeah. We could say a lot of things that sound like they could be from the Bible, but they're yeah. not right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a couple of years ago, um, I told someone like, you know, in the book of Hezekiah, it says God helps those who help themselves. And someone's like, Oh really? I'm like, no, no, but it sounded biblical. Right. I quoted mm-hmm. someone that there's no book of Hezekiah. No, there's not. And, uh, anyway, 
Anyway, let, let me uh, t- touch on something though. If you, you're part of Valley, mm-hmm. um, listening to this, we actually we've just kind of rolled out this Faith Life um, platform that we use. Yeah, and in that, I mean, if you're thinking, man, I want to grow a little more, I want to, I want to study a little bit more, I want to, I want to expose myself to some some things that maybe will challenge me. There is a there is a first of all Faith Life TV, mm-hmm. which is a library of tons of shows biographies and even classes that people can take that on their own right to just begin to to sharpen themselves a little bit more and along with that there's a, a library they have access to now i think it's like 300 resources or something like that that if you're if you're part of valley you actually have that at your fingertips and we would love to connect you with that if you haven't already jumped on that and so um message andrew or myself or steven klukas and we would love to kind of to, to encourage you and to resource you as you take whatever steps next for you. 100%. So, all right, Mike, um, you know, we have been wa- working through since the beginning of the year, the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. We've gone through quite a few resolutions. Well, he has quite a few resolutions. I think but, 70? <laughs> I think, I thought it was like 100 and something. I don't know. We, I've kind of lost track of everything that we've been doing, but it has been a very edifying conversation. It's in, it's encouraged me. It's also challenged me in many ways. For the last past couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about character resolutions, both internal and external. You kind of want to um, kind of review a little bit, maybe some highlights of the the past two as we kind of wrap up this section on character resolutions. Yeah, and kind of our our desire in doing this is we we want to say, you know what, people at the beginning of the year they make resolutions, and oftentimes all of us have done it. February rolls around and we're, we've kind of forgotten about them completely. Yeah. But we want to view resolutions not as like, I make this resolution at the beginning of the year and I try to hold on to it. But these are more resolutions for our lives. Like this is how I want to live. And, and these are one person's resolutions that, that we can consider in light of how we're living. And so what he says is not the Bible. Right. And so we, right. we want to make that distinction. But, but he does say things that reflect a, a, a a pretty thorough understanding of the scripture. And so based on that, we're saying, okay, let's look at his resolutions. And our goal is for our listener that they are, they are considering how does this impact me? Should, should I have resolutions similar to this? Maybe it reveals a, a place in your life that maybe you're, you're not living a very godly life or, mm-hmm. or you're not re- very thoughtful about how you're living. And this will help curb you toward, curb you toward maybe a more, a more of a gospel focused life. And so we talked about resolutions that are internal. These are things, kind of commitments he makes within himself and how he processes life. And so one of them was to see myself as wretched in my sin. He just recognized, man, I'm a sinner and I need God's grace and not to have a a big head, (laughs) uh, spiritually speaking. Um, And then the the flip side of that, he says, um, this is my paraphrase, but to kill my pride. He resolved to kill his pride. And man, I, I have to do this every day. <clears throat> in Jay and I, in our conversations, he's a 14-year-old young man. One of our most regular conversations is, how do you battle your pride and not just walk around with arrogance or with a, a sense of, you know it all, right? Because when you're 14, you know it all. Mm-hmm. But uh, the same is true with me as, as someone older than that and with you as well. All of us have to kill our pride. Right. Those were some of the internal like frameworks for how he goes about resolutions. And then there were a bunch of externals we handled a few weeks ago. So things like 
I'm not going to have double standards. Uh, I'm going to carry a good attitude in my interactions with other people. I'm not going to be sour. I'm bitter or grumpy with people. Things like if I see something good in someone, I'm going to imitate that, or I'm not going to tell half, half truths. Um, you know, and even, you know, like I'm not going to consume in gluttony. I'm going to consume things in moderation. Yeah. You know, those kind of things that are externally visible. But today I, I pulled two of them out that I would call, um, like the, these these overarching resolutions just that, that guide a life. We, we talked about this a little bit with our first resolutions, but they okay. guide someone's character. Okay. They, they really say, if, if I want to be known in like a very simple way, what do I want to be known for? If, if I have one or two resolutions that other people, when they look at my life, they're able to see this governs who I am and how I live. And so these two resolutions, resolution 32 and resolution 63, uh, these are the two that we're just going to focus on today. And, okay. and um, we're going to kind of read through the resolutions. We're going to summarize them. And then we're going to kind of handle them together in just our conversation. Okay. Um, so I, I would say really quick, though, since we you, you, you did a flyby of the internal and external um, resolutions, if there's someone listening for the first time and they're interested in hearing these again, we actually had pretty good conversations about all these. They're in the recent episodes, so you can go back and just listen to those, and those are for you to, to enjoy. So, right. Yeah. Um, so let's just uh, let's read through these. Um, I think it's fun to have you read through what he actually wrote, and so I'm going to give my I'm going to give my summary, and then I'm going to um, videotape Andrew reading through his. All right. Uh, no. <laughs> so resolution 32. My summary is resolved to aim faith or to aim at faithfulness. Okay. Now, if you want to, what, what did Edwards actually write? So he wrote 32. Resolved to be strictly and firmly faithful to my trust. That in Proverbs twenty eight or in Proverbs twenty six, a faithful man who can find may not be partly fulfilled in me. Yeah. So th- that full proverb it says, "Many a man proclaim his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find." Edwards is saying, "I don't want to be one of those people that that people look at that verse and say, yeah, he's not really faithful.'" Yeah. The layman's interpretation of that verse is like, "There's a lot of people who talk." Right, they they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And he's saying, I don't want to be the kind of person. I don't want to be included in the people who just talk a lot but never do. Yeah, I want to be the person who says, like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I'm called to something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so, if again, just summary of this, he says, I am going to aim myself at faithfulness. You know, we we can just even pause right now, our listeners. Hey, what is it? What does that mean for you? Where where are you aiming yourself at faithfulness? Where are you aiming yourself at partial faithfulness? Mm-hmm. Where are you making excuses or justifications for the places you're not being faithful to the things you've been called to do, right? And so that's, we'll, we'll pause there for a minute and let's go on to the next one. Um, I, I will let you read the summary and I'll read the, okay. the, the heavy work. Uh, the summary is resolve, strive for perfection, knowing that it is un- unattainable. Yep. And so here's what he wrote, uh, resolution 63. Uh, this is on, a big one. Yeah, it is. On the supposition that there never was to be but one individual in the world at any one time who was properly in complete, a complete Christian in all respects of a right stamp, having Christianity always shining in its true luster and appearing excellent and lovely from whatever part and under whatever character viewed, resolved 
to act just as I would do if I strove with all my might to be that one who should live in my time. What does that even mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he says a ton here. Yeah. He, he, he says, first of all, I'm going to have the supposition. This is like, I'm, my resolution is built on an idea. Mm-hmm. Here's the idea that my resolution is built on. The resolution is built that there's never any Christian that is perfect in everything, right? We understand, say, for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But he's saying at any time, there's never anyone that's just, they are, they're, they're batting a thousand, we would say in baseball. They're always hitting the ball. We're saying there's never a such thing as a Christian who is never failing in any way. That's his supposition. That's his premise. Right. But he says, based on that, here's my resolution. I'm going to act as if I'm the one. I'm going to act as if I am the one believer on earth in my time who is who is living a perfectly faithful life. Now, this might sound a little arrogant. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's trying to be arrogant. I mean, his his supposition, it's it's a mouthful. I think it's a mouthful because he's trying to really lay the disclaimer. Hey guys, don't don't think that I'm acting like I. Don't get me wrong here. Don't mistake me that I'm acting like I'm perfect. Right. He knows he's not. We've already seen in his resolutions. He's resolved yeah. to see himself as wretched in his sin. He's resolved to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. This is this is building upon that, saying, I want to live a life of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I want to live a life where I am knowing that it's not attainable right here and right now. I want to live a life of of perfection. Uh, that that's a that's a big resolution. Um yeah, it says cuz he says resolved to act just as I would do if I strove with all my might to be the one who would live in that time. As in like assuming like if I am that person, well how would I act and how would I live? And so I'm going to st- with all my my capacity to answer that call, to yeah. be as faithful as possible, understanding that I'm not that person That's right. at the same time. So I, I I really appreciate his desire to strive for that. That seems to fly in the face of so many values that we have nowadays where sometimes we look at someone and be like, oh, I'm broken, so why do why should I even try or why should I even care? You know, if you don't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. You know, that's oh, kind of boy. the attitude that some people have. And that's a terrible attitude. But uh, this is this is someone who's like, I'm, I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow into this. I think some people, it, we, we live in a world where we have a fixed mindset. It's just like, well, this is how I am. This is how I'll always be. But if you're a Christian, we strive because God has empowered us to be able to grow through that. We aren't just fixated or we're not stuck wherever we're at. God is constantly calling us closer to be more and more like Jesus. If that were not possible, he wouldn't call us to be more like Jesus, you know? So yeah, yeah I, I appreciate him. Let's unravel this idea of mindset a little bit. Cause I, I think you're totally right. That, that the idea of a fixed mindset, I think I see that in, in a handful of ways. Um, how often do we make excuses for our failings? Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a bad day or I was hurt or someone treated me poorly, right? Mm-hmm. And so we really are good at making excuses for lack of faithfulness, yeah. making excuses for lack of striving for holiness. And I think what, what Edwards does here, he says, I'm, I'm not going to make excuses. Right. I'm not going to be that guy that makes excuses about whatever I do wrong. And you know what's it's crazy about this as we talk about that mindset is that when you make excuses, you are placing the blame on other people. And and I know people don't want to like they they feel the shame when they when they uh, 
when they take on blame. But where there's something cool is like when you take blame, you're also saying like there's some things I can control. There are things I'm responsible for. I can do things a little bit differently. In my prayer life, they're like, God, show me how I can do things and be more faithful to you. You, you talked about the excuse like, man, some days I just have bad days. There are days I, I do have bad days. But sometimes when I walk through those days, I'm like, how could this day have been better? You know what? Had I not stayed up late watching the Big Bang Theory the night before, I would have had more cognition in my mind to be able to handle the day. I would have like, there are small things you can tweak. That's right. And it's, it's so when you take responsibility for that, when you strive for that and you, you own that, you actually find more power in that. I think, I think it's empowering in many ways. That's right. I think there's excuses. I think another way is, is we rationalize uh, yeah. and we justify. Oh yeah. So, uh, I mean, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. Right, I deserve this selfish time. I deserve this, whatever it is. Right, and even people will tell you, "Oh, you deserve this," mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and when we rationalize and we justify, what we're doing is we're, we're actually setting aside what, what God said His best for us, and <clears throat> pursuing Christ and pursuing holiness and pursuing a righteous life. Saying uh, that 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 that's not what's best for me. What I say is what's best for me, and we justify it. Mm-hmm. Well, I you know I did have a hard day, or I did you know whatever it is, and so we can justify whatever behavior. And so that's similar to excuses. They all bleed into each other. We make excuses or we justify it. Mm-hmm. Or I think you started to talk about this a minute ago. Um, we take on that victim victim mentality. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, we say, well, someone did me wrong. And so that has ruined my life. And people, let's, let's just be really obvious, honest. We live in a sinful world and people do atrocious and sinful things. And there is wounding. There is mm-hmm. trauma. There is pain. I, I'm not denying that at all. But but if we hold on to that and we beca- hold tightly to being a victim and, and make that our identity, well, when we do that, we kind of give up on on the idea that God's spirit's more powerful than anything else in this world. Yeah. We give up on the idea that there is hope in the gospel. We give up by, on on the the truth that that Jesus Christ can transform us and bring us hope and strength, even in our pain. Yeah. Right, and so I think we've got to be careful not to not to fall into one of those categories where we're making excuses, mm-hmm. or we're justifying, or, or we're, we're being a victim. Mm-hmm. And in, in ministry, we see people sometimes that, you know, God forbid, go through a divorce, and that divorce it owns them completely. Yeah, and and the next twenty thirty years of their life is is lived as a victim of whatever their their ex did to them that was wrong. Yeah. And, and that identity becomes theirs instead of having their identity be in Christ, which is where our hope is and where our joy is, right? You know, you actually, you and I were talking about this the other day, and it turned into a conversation I had with my, my brother recently. We, my brother and I had a discussion about generational sin and how we, there, there's, there's oftentimes there are, there are broken traits that are inherited through just family. It just happens because we're all, we're all broken people. And if we don't take ownership of those kinds of things, if we don't accept it sometimes and see like this is broken and then take responsibility for our own lives and for our own actions, sometimes we can pass that on to other people. But in my mind, it's, it doesn't have to be, we have Christ. We have the ability to overcome. We have the ability to see brokenness and to be restored and to be healed of those things. And what it takes is a humble look at the perfection that God calls us to and the ability to gracefully strive for it, empowered by the Spirit of God. Yeah, this reminds me, you know, we're almost done with our series on the the commandments, the law of God. 
And we talked about this commandment. He says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And then it says this, this might be what even spurred some of the conversation you guys had. It says, visiting the iniquity of fathers on their children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And this is a, you know, we don't have time to work through this on the podcast. I encourage someone who didn't listen to that message to maybe circle back and listen to it. Cause this is kind of a scary verse, right? Yeah. But what it recognizes is it recognizes the reality that our generations are connected. Mm-hmm. It recognizes the, the reality that there's natural consequences to the way we, we treat people and the way we raise our, our family. But what it really recognizes is, is God's heart. He says, I'm going to show my steadfast love to thousands versus a few generations will be scarred by by a sinful parents, right? But I'm going to show my generations to thousands. And so what I tell people who have been victims of maybe, you know, difficult upbringing where their parents weren't the parents they could have been or should have been, right? I'm sorry that you went through that, yet maybe you're the generation that changes it. Right. You, instead of allowing that to define you and ruin your life, run to Jesus Christ and recognize his grace and mercy are poured out upon you through his work and death and resurrection. And that can change everything. That can change everything. You, you know what's amazing? And I, I see this, how the gospel has played out in my own life. And we we oftentimes, when we look, especially in youth ministry, we talk about kids who come from broken homes and we see that like, this is all they know. So even if they hate it, what their home environment is, this is all they know. So statistically, they are pretty much doomed to repeat that cycle. In through scripture, we call that being slaves. We're, they're a slave to that brokenness. They're a slave to that sin. And Christ, when he comes in, he has he gives us the ability to choose something different. We get to choose Christ. And in many ways, we get to choose his law, his standards now. And it gives us the option to choose something greater and better. And we strive for that empowered by him to do that. That's what sets us free from that brokenness. And so that's why like we've been in this series called uh, the law of God. And in, in, in many ways we could look at that and be like, well, this is like the rules of Christianity and it's, it's really tight, but actually by upholding these standards, it sets us free from the brokenness that we find in so many areas of life that now that we are aware that there's something different and then that God is with us, he grows us as we submit in humility to the leading of his spirit. He empowers us to be more like him so that we can leave behind the brokenness that we have known. That's right, man. The gospel gives us that freedom. The, the law of God, we, you know, we talk about the 10 commandments and, and a lot of folks, they bristle when they hear the 10 commandments. Oh, Christianity is not about rules. It's about a relationship, right? But, but the reality is that oftentimes theologians call it the law of love mm-hmm. or the law of liberty, because it frees you, just like you you said, it frees you from living according to your sinfulness that that only corrupts you. Mm-hmm. Even if it feels great in the moment, or or, or is is something that is you know exciting in the moment, it rots you from the inside out, and it leads to bondage. Sin is bondage. But when you are freed by the gospel, the law of God, it points you to the gospel and then it becomes a standard for how to love God. When you're free to actually say, now I can love God 
because of who Jesus is and what he's done. I can love God not because I'm trying to earn something, but mm-hmm. I can love God because it's already been freely given. Now I live in the law of liberty, and That's it's right. a glorious thing. So, and, so, so with all that said, we, we, we've been talking about, man, this, is, this has brought up a lot of conversation, but we're looking at the idea that we can strive for perfection knowing that we can't attain it. So that God doesn't, God disciplines those he loves, but he doesn't beat us up for, for failure because the Christ has already paid the penalty for us. So yep. we can strive for perfection and know that when we don't meet that Christ, we are covered in the, the blood of Christ. Um, so bringing it back to that, I, I, you were talking about kind of mashing these, these resolutions together. How does that play out to the idea of striving for faithfulness? Then? Yeah. Well, I, I, we, we talked about a few passages beforehand, but I, I want to just kind of aim right now at Philippians three twelve. Okay. Cause I think, Edward's resolution, I think it it reflects what Paul writes here. Paul here, he's talking about the power of Jesus's resurrection. He's talking about the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's talking about knowing God more and more and, and just kind of being overwhelmed by everything that, that Christ is. And in that verse 12 of chapter three, Paul writes, he says, not that I have already obtained this or that I am already perfect. He recognizes he's a sinner. He's a wretched person, right? He, he's talked about this, Romans 7. He, he says, I, I, not that I've figured it all out, not that I've got it all taken care of. He says, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Here, here's the why. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Uh, this is in, in Edward's resolutions. You might not like Edward's resolutions. That, that's fine. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, my resolution is to strive and press on to to exert myself to the greatest degree possible to live a holy life, to live a perfect life, to live a life that reflects Christ. Not so that, you know, God will accept him. Not so that he can be better than others. Not so that he can have a really good resume or have a position in some organization. He says, I want to do it. Here's why. Because of what has already been done for me. Because Christ has made me his. And, And this didn't happen by... Um, you know, waving a magic wand or saying a special word. How has Christ made Paul and how has Christ made you, Andrew, and me? How has Christ made us his own? By his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's right. Yeah. He, he, he paid the price for our sins after living a perfect life on our behalf, yeah. was buried and resurrected. And he says, I did all of this to make you mine. To, to save you from slavery, to, to break the bondage that existed over your life. I did all of this to bring you close to me. And the natural response as someone matures in Christ, and, and you know what? As believers, we can be in different spots in our, in our journey. And that, I get that. But, but the growing natural response is, I want to live a life of faithfulness, I want to live a life that reflects Jesus. As Edwards says here, I want, to be, I want to be the one who is living a perfect life in the here and now, recognizing I can't do it. I'm not going to be perfect, but recognizing I want to strive for that with every fiber of my existence. You know what's amazing about what Paul writes in Philippians 3 is that if you back up more, like I take a, a bigger, a bird's eye view of that passage, we know that Paul does this because he wants to know the power and the resurrection of Christ. He wants to know Christ intimately, that he sees that as worthy of everything that he is. 
because he wants to know that. He wants to experience that. He wants that intimate relationship with Christ. And that echoes to me because I think there's a lot of people, especially in our in our increasingly postmodern world right now, there's a part of us that yearns for something genuine. There's also There's been charlatans. There's been people who have risen in churches and have made things about things that it shouldn't be about. And so we, we sense that there's there a lot of, uh, uh, con artists and fake people in, in the world and religion and all these things. And I think we crave something genuine, but I think that also hinges on something that Jonathan Edwards talked about before in our internal, uh, characteristics. And that is to see the wretchedness of our own sin. I think for us to experience God and when we strive for faithfulness, if we want to know Christ that deeply, it, it, that's why we have to take sin seriously. Mm-hmm. I, this I wasn't intending to go this in this direction with the conversation, but one of the reasons why I, we talk about sin so much isn't because we're not trying to beat people up. That's not the that's not the reason why we want to beat people up. That's not why we want to be faithful, and and we don't do these things to beat people up. But when we recognize what sin is. That gives the opportunity for God to deliver and for us to move forward in, to strive for that perfection. Because if we strove for perfection, that means we have to admit that there is a standard, there is a calling, and that we're not there. And if we're not there, that means we can journey towards it instead of staying below that standard in in that imperfection and in a broken and unblessed life. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't apply, you, you can't have that grace applied when you act like you don't need it. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, I think people who get mad at people for talking about sin, like there, and there are times when churches abuse that I, I'm not going to deny that, but there is a healthy level of like, we need to look at our sin and our wretchedness and treat it as seriously as scripture does. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we try to strike that balance where, you know, w- when we talk about sin, uh, we talk about it with open hands and, and open arms saying, let me help you. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we want to come off as those who are like, oh, you're a sinner and let's condemn you. Right. Um, rather, I think we say, you know, if, if you're in sin, we know it's bondage mm-hmm. and, and we believe that you want out of it. And yeah. we, we want to help you um, know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We want to do everything we can to put our arms around you and walk with you so that you can know how amazing Christ is, how his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy, how it's what you it's actually what you're really looking for, even in your sin. I think I have an amazing example of that is, um, so I'm, I'm a part of a men's group. We, we're, we've gone through the material, so we don't meet regularly anymore, but there was a men's group that I was a part of that was uh, for recovering uh, sex addicts, people who were stuck in pornography in these things. And the men that I was with, they, uh, a lot of them had, did some pretty heavy damage to their marriage and their relationships and all these things. And so for them, they, what they understood is like there is a standard that we're not meeting. They, they, for years, they didn't treat it seriously, and that's why it ravaged their family. But now there was a time in their life where they was like, this, this is a serious problem. And for us to come together and we talked about our own struggles, our own like, like and temptations and all those things, we started to realize like we are in need of grace together. And so instead of condemning one another, we said, look, let us move forward in accountability and loving one another and and striving to be faithful to to God's righteousness, to God's calling, and to their own families. We've seen people heal of those things. And that starts because they treated things well and they started to strive for that faithfulness, knowing that they would still need help with it. And that's what the, the church is supposed to be. That's right. Is this this group of people who are striving together 
to answer that call in the power by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me uh, let me just ask our listeners what is what is your resolution in terms of your pursuit of Christ? Are you resolved to live a life of faithfulness to aim yourself at faithfulness regardless of of what the cost is? Mm-hmm. Are you at that spot where you're willing to be resolved to live a life of holiness and like? To, to strive for perfection, knowing you'll never attain it. And let me ask you those questions with a reminder. When you strive for Christ, when you strive to know him, it is, it is actually what you're looking for more than anything else. It is by far more rewarding that you will find more hope. You will find more joy. You will find more peace. You'll find more love than, than any of the other things you're pursuing right now. And so if you're listening to this, Here's here's the reality. You're probably not striving for perfection as as you should be. I, I guarantee I'm not. Uh, talking through this, it makes me think through. Okay, where where am I missing the mark? Mm-hmm. This is not a call to guilt or to shame, but it's a call to the gospel to remember the grace that you've been given. You've already been forgiven and washed clean if you've trusted in in Christ and and turned from your sins. This is who you are now. So today's a recalibration. It's, it's remembering who Christ is and what he's done and remembering the call that he has placed upon you. Uh, I'll end with this. First Peter th- chapter, uh, chapter two, verse 21. For to this you have been called. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. You know, one chapter before that, we're reminded that we are to be holy because God is holy. The one who called us is our calling is sometimes to suffer, but, but it's always toward holiness and perfection. Uh, this is my, my call to you to turn, turn to the grace of Christ. That's right. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you so much for how, how much love you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we've been forgiven, that we've been washed clean. We've been made new. Thank you that you have given us a, a, a new target in life, a target of faithfulness and perfection. And, and God, we, we just freely admit that, that we miss that target all the time. And we're going to continue to miss that target over and over again. We're not going to act like we're perfect in, in regards to our behavior and our thoughts and our, and our words. We know we're not. Nevertheless, Lord, we know that's our calling. So we pray that by your spirit, you would help us not to make excuses you would help us not to justify or rationalize the wrong that we've done. I pray that you would deliver us from a victim mentality. And instead, Lord, I pray that by your grace, we would we would strive and press forward with everything we can to, to embrace Christ, to embrace the life that we have been given in Christ, to, to turn from our sin and to turn toward holiness. And we thank you that we do this because you have already made us your own. And we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.